Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for Kevin Foote, where our guy is all the way over in Huntington, West Virginia, ready to cover the Raging Cajuns tonight as they take on Marshall University. So it's a early football week for us in Acadiana as we get our fun started tonight. And there's still so much to talk about and have a good time today. I'm still glowing and basking in the glory of everything that happened yesterday with my Houston Astros beating Hannah Five Names' Seattle Mariners. And it happened in dramatic fashion. The 0-1. And Alvarez belts it deep to right field. Houston dead by. Unbelievable. The Astros a walk-off win. Jordan Alvarez a walk-off three-run homer. And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series. Stun the Mariners they did. You should see Hannah Five Names' face right now. It's in shock. I've only heard that call at least 100 times from, what, 6.15 yesterday evening till now. I must have watched that replay over and over. I shared it multiple times on Twitter, Facebook, all the socials. I had to see the big fella with the tank into the upper deck after. How about the gutsy at-bats by Hansley as well as Pena just to get to that spot? Big you can talk about the yard on blast all you want. It doesn't happen with big performances from other guys. Alex Bregman's home run that kept the Astros in. It gave him a little bit of hope. Hunter Brown coming in, giving the Astros some much-needed inning, or what, an inning and a third. It, it, a lot of things brought us to the moment. But the big fella basked in the moment and went yak and sent all the tears Right here in Acadiana and in Seattle from Hannah Five Names and the good folks in the, the northwest part of the country was phenomenal. The big fella was oh so good, too. Had a double, bringing in two earlier in the ballgame just to keep the Astros scraping early on. And then the three-run tank that propelled the Astros to victory. Hannah, I don't want to spend too much time on it now because we, we still have a lot of other stuff to talk about, but I wanted to lead with, with, with that for sure. How are you feeling this morning? I listened to a little bit of RP3 and yourself. He didn't give you too much of a hard time. No, because I think he's just trying to go and show off that, yeah, I, I lost in dramatic fashion. That It was the worst way to lose. My hand hurt from hitting the table in my living room so hard and saying words I can't say on air because it's wrong to say on the air. Um, but, I mean, I, I'm I'm relaxed now. I sat in silence. The fiance slowly put his hand on my back. He's like, it's okay. It was okay. Don't touch me. Because <laughs> he, he ruined my juju. Let me be he mad. Took, he Let took my shirt. Mad. He took the shirt I was wearing for the entire game. And as soon as he took the shirt to try it on, that's when the runs came in. That's when the hits came in for the Astros. I'm like, uh-uh, give it back. But he already ruined it anyway. But I still put it on. But, man, that's that. all of that really is on Scott. Scotty did not do well. He knows how Robbie Ray did against the Blue Jays, which was terrible. He took Seawald out you quickly. Put starters there. In, in, in relief situations, they're not accustomed to being in there. Those are guys that like to take their time to warm up, go oh, in yeah. in fresh situations, not 
like that. <laughs> welcome, right. I, welcome I, to the ball game. The big fellas up to bat. I mean, it's not a situation that you know you, you just walk into typically. No, I, me personally, I probably would not have put Seawald or Robbie Ray in. I would have just put Kirby in. Kirby has been, been doing really, really well for us. I think if he would have put Kirby in, we probably could have pulled it out. But putting those two guys who didn't have good turnouts the game two against the Blue Jays is not a good idea to bring them back out again at the very end when you're that close. No, and Justin Verlander, not very – got to feel great if you're an Astros fan, right? It took all the life out, out of the Mariners. You took their best one-two punch they could possibly deliver. I mean, Julio Rodriguez was, was lights out in this game. And guess what? You got a bad performance from Justin Verlander. You got a bad performance from Jose Altuve. You still found a way to win this game. You scraped through and found a way to win. That's what you do in October. That's what good teams do. And that's why these rookies, like a Pena, like a Hansley, that, that's why they're in those positions and they're like, okay, no big deal. Hey, yeah. I'll get it done. The guy next to me has been here before. He's telling me it's not a big deal. I got another guy behind me that'll get through this. And, and look, if the Astros would have happened to lose yesterday – I don't think it would have been into the world for those guys no. because of how they operate. But now that you gave them that momentum and you gave them that confidence and, and you, you know, you, you took their best shot and they couldn't put you away multiple times. <sighs> and here we are. Yep. That's why I'm wearing red shirt, though, because now I'm out for blood. I would have <laughs> worn a black shirt in the morning, but I'm out in the morning. I'm out for blood now. Come on, too. Come on. Come on tomorrow. Let's go. Tomorrow at 2.30, right? Yeah. Matinee baseball. Two thirty-seven. Like what's up Come with on. random time? Thirty-seven? Really? No. Two thirty. Three o'clock. <laughs> I don't even know thirty-seven. I digress. We'll talk more Houston Astros Mariners later in the show, but we, we do have a great show on tap for you. Even though we have Mister Foot out currently, ready to cover your raging Cajuns tonight. Ten and a half point dogs on the road against Marshall. We're going to talk about that game uh, exclusively at the ten fifteen mark. Kevin's going to join us live from Huntington. West Virginia, and he'll let us know all about that matchup. And I, interesting ties to the Acadian area. Um, Lance Guidry, former Magnese Cowboy, former Carroll High coach and defensive coordinator, came through the area. A lot of lot of ties. A lot to get to there with Kevin as he's been around Lance Guidry for, for some time. Also at 9.15, Koki Riley of USA Today is going to join us, and we're going to talk all things LSU. Where do they turn? Another players-only meeting yesterday. I'm so sick of hearing players only meeting. They did the same thing against before Tennessee, you know, with, with Jaden Daniels and all the receivers getting together. You saw that happen. When that left them, diddly squat, nothing. I'm about action. Don't even tell. Look, if it's players only, keep that stuff to yourself. You guys deal with that internally. You ain't got to run to the media and tell them that y'all did that. Get that circus stuff out of here. Show me on the field. Show me that you changed. Show me things are going to happen differently. Not that y'all had another players-only meeting. I, we'll, we'll get to that with Koki Riley at 9.15. If you guys want to jump in and talk about anything, Cajuns, Tigers, hey, Joe Burr coming to the Superdome this weekend against the Saints, you could always call in and join us on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. And if you're oh so brave and you want to see this beautiful mug, you can head on over to the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 or on 133LUS Fiber. Ton of fun. I'm Look, I'm excited. There's so much stuff. Usually we don't get this excited until Thursday, but since the Cajuns get to start tonight, the excitement comes a little bit earlier. 
football week starts earlier, fresh off of the Strohs win, and you got another Strohs game tomorrow. I think uh, the good folks in Acadiana have plenty, plenty to watch over the next five days or so, um, all sports related. Starting tonight again, the Cajuns. I, I'm, I'm excited about this game. Uh, we'll let Kevin break down a lot more for you. I mean, this is a a, magne- a Marshall team that they, they beat last year in the bowl game. Then Marshall came into the season. You, you had to feel pretty good about that matchup, you know, with, with returning what you did, you know, a lot of the longest win streak coming into the season in the country, and things kind of went south for the Cajuns. And I think a lot of people around the country are still living off of that Notre Dame win in week two where Marshall went into South Bend and won 26-21. But since then, it's kind of been a mixed bag for Marshall. They lost to a really bad Bowling Green the week the week after that on the road. And then Troy, who, who's pretty good this year in the Sun Belt, a balanced Sun Belt too, by the way. Whew, man, Sun Belt could go a number of different ways. They, they lost to, to, to Troy the next week, 16-7. to And then they beat Gardner-Webb last week, returning to home, or two weeks ago, coming back home 28-7 to before having a bye week. One thing I find interesting about this Cajuns game tonight is you're facing them in a trap game type scenario. If they want to peek ahead and look ahead, they can do so. Because they have James Madison next week. Oh, by the way, James Madison moving up into the ranks, into the FBS ranks for the first time, not eligible to win the Sun Belt Conference, not eligible to go to a bowl game. Oh, but by the way, the number 25 team in the country. That's 5-0 and right now. Pretty damn good football team. Yeah, they got them next week, followed by Coastal Carolina, 6-0 and at home the week following. So if you want to catch the Thundering Herd peaking just a bit, this might be your opportunity even off of a bye week. This is a Cajun team that's reeling, trying to get off the mat. Can Marshall be possibly looking ahead to two big matchups when the Sun Belt over the following two weeks and look ahead of the Raging Cajuns with an extended rest? Maybe. They're a very good, very good coach team. I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to look ahead, but, hey, Cajuns fans, we got to take what we can, right? Trying to figure out who we are. Trying to figure out what, what the offense is going to look like, right? Chandler Fields out. And look, I, I love Chandler. I think Chandler's a, a, a good talent. He's a scrappy gamer. But playing musical chairs at quarterback are never a good thing. You have more than one quarterback, that means you have zero quarterbacks. You don't have a dude. You don't have a guy. Cajun's got a guy now, even though it's by default. They're forced into that situation. I think that's a better thing for the Cajuns, that Woolridge is going to now take all the snaps. He's going to be the guy that's going to get all the – so you don't have to worry about, hey, I'm coming in for a series, I'm coming out for a series. Hey, this is your team now, guy. Cajuns got to get back to running the football, being more explosive. The offense has been putrid, has been. I think this is a game where the Cajuns have an opportunity to get back on track. I mentioned Sunbelt deep. Could go a number of different ways. Two teams I just mentioned to you. And Coastal Carolina and James Madison, both of them undefeated. There's a lot of good teams in the Sun Belt. App State, who we thought, and many people, after beating Texas A&M and College Station, that was going to be cream of the crop within the, the, the conference, they laid an egg 
a week ago against Texas State. So, I mean, that's a, a again, this is a wide open conference at this point. And this could be the Cajuns' opportunity to get back on track and get back into the mix per se. I mean, I, look, I still think this is going to be a difficult time for the Cajuns to come in and compete for a title. But look, let's get back to the winning track, get bowl eligible. There's a lot of things still on the table for the Cajuns, but it starts tonight at 6.30 when they travel to Marshall. We're going to step aside and take our first break of the show. When we come back, Cokie Riley is going to join us on the other side, and we're going to talk about the LSU Tigers. They're trying to get off the mat, too, as they travel to Gainesville to take on Billy Napier and the Florida Gators. So stick right here. Don't go anywhere. we got plenty of more action on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back into Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietor filling in for Kevin Foote, who's already over in Marshall, getting ready for the big matchup against the Raging Cajuns tonight. But we're going to talk some LSU Tigers now. We're going to head on over to the game hotline and bring on Koki Riley of the USA Today. Koki, how are you on this wonderful Wednesday morning? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, of course. Let's talk some Tigers action. You know, this is the LSU team that's uh, struggling, coming off of a humbling loss to Tennessee at home. Um, there's still a different feel to this team than we have over the last couple years where it felt like we were really just, uh, you know, uh, treading water under under Ed O. What's the, the mood and, and the feeling coming out of the Ops building this week? Yeah. Um, I, I'd say the feeling is, uh, I, I guess there's a, there seems to be a sense of urgency with some of the special teams mistakes. There seems to be a sense of urgency with um, fixing uh, the way the coaching staff is coaching these guys. And, um, and, and there's all, it, it seems like it's, they're sort of in a state of sort of self-evaluation in a weird, in a strange way. Um, maybe not in a strange way, but in, in, in a more urgent way than you would think. Um, heading into a non-bye week and, and, and uh, given that it's in the middle of the season. But, you know, when you lose by that many points, um, especially when it's under someone like Brian Kelly's watch where stuff like that just doesn't happen, um, uh, there's, there's sort of a kickback reaction, and I think we're sort of seeing that. Um, and one, example, one decent example I can give you off the top of my head is that the players at a player's only meeting on Monday, um, second players only meeting they've had and there's that there's been in two weeks the the one last week had to do with just specifically the passing game um uh, with the quarterbacks and the receivers but this was a team-wide meeting and uh special teams among other things were discussed and uh so yeah that's just like one example where it just sort of feels like there's sort of a sense of urgency to to fix things before uh they had the florida this week Special teams have just been a disaster. I mean, you spotted Tennessee 10 points before you could even blink your eye on Saturday, and they've been just atrocious all season long. 
What, what can they do different? What, what are some changes that we can expect from the, the Tigers on special teams? Um, special teams is special teams. It's hard to say, let's make this adjustment and then it'll be fixed, right? It's not, it's not let's throw the ball more, you know, or uh, let's change up our coverages in the back end. It's, 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 it's simply executing. It's, 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 it's simple as, you know, catching a punt or catching a kickoff, you know, or just getting off your blocks in time or making sure the punt, you know, out, out kick your coverage on, 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 on those punts. Like it's, it's simply execution. There's not a ton that you can do, I guess, schematically. And again, this kind of goes back to my earlier point with the coaching and how they sort of coach these things and, and what, and what techniques as teachers they can use to sort of get these messages across better to the players. I think special teams is a big part of that. Looking at the offensive line now, you know, a week ago they find out on Friday night you lose your starting left tackle, uh, Will Campbell, and, you know, they elected to go with, with Anthony Bradford there, surprise a few folks, and then Dellinger goes out with a, with, with a knee injury. Um, what can we expect this week from the offensive line? Any chance we see Campbell back? And how do you think they're going to line up left to right? I doubt. I think it's pretty doubtful that Campbell is back. I mean, he just. I mean, I mean, I think he just got out of the hospital on Monday. Um, and I say I think because that hasn't been super. That hasn't been confirmed with a uh, with an ironclad yes. But that's what Kelly suspected on on Monday. Um, uh, so I would assume Dellinger also going to is also going to be out for this game. So I would assume that Anthony Bradford's definitely back in the lineup as. Um, I think they prefer for, for him to be the left guard, but if they can't find a better alternative at left tackle, they, they might throw, like slide him at left tackle and then play either Xavier Hill or Tremont Short or someone else at left guard. Um, so yeah, th- that fifth spot is a problem because I think they have eight guys that they have at least uh, – not eight – well, I think they have six or seven guys that they have some confidence in and playing. On this team, Charles Turner, Dellinger, of course, Campbell, of course, Emory Jones, Miles Frazier, and Bradford is the sixth guy. Um, but it's kind of the seven, eight spots that are uh, seem to be pretty shaky at this point. So uh, we'll see what they decide because uh, Kelly was asked this question on Monday and he honestly didn't have an answer. And usually he does have some sort of answer to those sort of uh, questions. And the run game's just been non-existent. There's hadn't been even really a sense of urgency to, to establish a run game. Uh, Jaden Daniels has kind of been the leading rusher all season long outside of a couple moments for the Tigers. Uh, who, who's going to be the back that really establishes himself back there? And is there going to be a more deliberate approach to establishing a run game this week? Yeah, against Tennessee, uh, it, it was always – it was going to be kind of impossible to establish any kind of run game when you're down ten to nothing that quickly, and uh, you just need to you just need to throw your way back into the game because you, you when you when you get down quick, it, especially against an offense like Tennessee that puts up points on the board so quickly, you have to be able to match fire with fire. You can't be deliberate and and try to run the ball. Like I, I feel like that game was sort of an exception to some of their struggles they had in the beginning of the year, which I do think that was legitimate. Um, the running issues they had against Florida state, um, for example, uh, and Mississippi state, you saw a little bit of signs of life, but in Auburn, they ran the ball really well. And I thought they did a good job of controlling the line of scrimmage in that game. 
So I, I think it's definitely there. Um, and to me, it's more of an offensive line thing than, I, than, the, than the guys that they have in the backfield. Uh, I don't think Josh Williams is the greatest runner, which I think that would be the one tweak in the rotation I would have. I, I, I don't know if I'd be handing him the ball off quite as often as they have in, in recent weeks. Um, but regardless, I, I think they have the talent back there for sure, and it's going to be going to be a rotation as it probably should be because I don't think any one of those guys are is is just is terribly better than the other. Um, even if Emery is quote unquote the most the more talented guy in that backfield, but. It's going to be hard to do that this week, though, just because Florida has a pretty strong front seven and they're missing two starting offensive linemen. So that alone puts you in a hole no matter who the sort of quote-unquote lead back is. Cookie Riley joining us right now on the game hotline of the USA Today talking all things LSU. Uh, Cookie, I, look, Jaden Daniels has been a mixed bag, and uh, as bad as the offensive, lineman has, uh, the offensive line has been, he hasn't really done him any favors back there, constantly running into pressure, leaving the pocket too early, missing wide-open receivers. Uh, do we get to a point where, you know, do, do we make a change at the quarterback spot or it's, you know, we're just going to live and die with, with Daniels back there? I've honestly fought this pretty aggressively. I, I think Daniels played well against Tennessee for the most part. Um, he definitely had some some miss a couple. He had a couple miss throws and a couple of missed reads, but he we I've seen at least I've seen uh, steady growth and progression from him week week to week. And Brian Kelly was even asked a similar question to this as to whether you know could Garrett Nussmeyer be a better option um, given some of the inconsistencies with the passing game, and he basically batted it down and said that no he that Daniels at the quarterback play was one of the best um was one of the few bright spots in the game and I would agree I mean he made some throws and tighter tighter windows and made some progression reads that he simply wouldn't even it would have would not have even thought of doing at the beginning of the year so I think we've seen some growth from him this season um already and you didn't see that in the Tennessee game because I because to me I understand why um, every aspect of this team is going to be looked at under a very uh, heavy eye of scrutiny. Um, because when you lose 40 to 13, that's, that's just what's going to happen. Um, uh, I get that, but I, they lost this game because they went, they went 0 for 3 on those key fourth downs, and they, and they dug themselves an early hole in special teams. Because when you do those two things, it's going to be impossible to keep up with a team like Tennessee that is such a prolific offense in a front seven that's pretty solid. And combine that with a couple offensive line injuries, a couple underperforming players on both sides of the ball, and you get yourself a blowout. You know, it, it, it doesn't, it, it happens quicker than you think, especially against a team as good as Tennessee. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's Daniels' fault that a lot of that stuff happened to be honest uh, he was not a driving reason as to why he lost and if anything I think he's actually been improving a little bit by bit throughout the season granted he hasn't been perfect that's in the Auburn game he did not play well at all but um, I, I think overall I think you're seeing some growth from him on the defensive side of the ball I mean they, they gave up a ton of yards last week and a ton of points but they were on the field so much and given short fields to coverage um, at times uh, is this a defense that, that's tired already early in the season or you feel like they can still get their legs underneath them and, and get it back going like they did against Auburn and before yeah um, it did surprise me looking out over over some of the stats LSU actually had the ball longer than Tennessee in the first half which I thought was interesting um, it makes some sense given how quick of a pace Tennessee plays, but 
I still thought it was uh, it, it was notable. Um, I, I think with this defense, not having Major Burns back there really hurts them because he was kind of their lead communicator. He's a guy that um, the staff has sort of raved about in terms of his ability to keep, get everyone on the same page in the back end. And I think that's hurt them in their coverage. I think you saw that against Auburn. I think you saw that a little bit against Tennessee. Um, I mean, Tennessee's going to get yards. They're going to get points on anyone. I mean, it, for I, I, I feel like them get Tennessee getting 500 yards of offense like that. That to me was something that I almost expected heading into this game, given how even given how good this LSU offense was, LSU defense was um, has, has been this entire season. I, I, their Tennessee's offense is just that prolific. It's a matter of can your offense match match that, and can your defense force enough field goals to allow your offense to hang in the game and. Uh, the offense didn't finish drives, and the special teams dug them in even in, in an even bigger hole. So that's sort of how you come up with um, to come up with this result. So, yeah, I, I feel like not having Major Burns in the back really hurts them um, because Joe Fusha hasn't stepped up and been the safety that they need him to be so far. Um, and, then, and then you're playing Jarek Bernard Converse at that safety spot, and he's really a corner. So you kind of have those issues in the back end. Um, but I think this week is a better matchup against Florida because Florida was not a prolific pass game. They have a quarterback who is kind of a ticking time bomb when it comes to throwing interceptions and fumbling the ball away. So that's going to help them. And, and the fact that uh, Florida is, is really relying on their ground game, it, that will kind of play into LSU's hands a little bit better, even though LSU's run defense was not very good against Tennessee. Part of that had to do with facing it just constantly having to be in lighter boxes. Um, that's not going to be the case this week. So um, I'm kind of interested to see how they sort of bounce back uh, as, as a run defense, especially because they're going to need to stop the run in this game and force Anthony Richardson to be a playmaker, uh, which that's going to be kind of a 50-50 proposition given how the season has gone so far. Well, turning our attention to Florida, and you kind of brought us there, it's how Anthony Richardson has been so inconsistent. Um, you know, I, I, Would you expect that, that House plays a much more aggressive approach this week, kind of like he did against Auburn, or you, you're going to see a lot of what you saw against Tennessee as far as scheme-wise? Um, Tennessee sort of bends the scheme, your scheme, to your will, just given how explosive they are, given how they open up the formation so much, right? Um, Tennessee is one of the few teams, if maybe if if only if the only team in the country that plays wide receivers uh, beyond wide receivers beyond the numbers and stacks them up on top of each other, and just he just stretch they just stretch your offense, your defense to the point where they force you to win those one-on-one matchups. They force you um, not just in the secondary, but also to win those one-on-one matchups. Up up front, and LSU just simply couldn't do that. As the further the game went along, and the further they fell behind, which just which that makes sense, and they've done that to pretty much every defense they've played against since Heupel's been the coach there. Um, but this Florida team is kind of the opposite. They they they're uh, in slightly more condensed sets. There's more 12 personnel. Um, they run the ball a ton. They have a rotation of three backs, including Trevor. Uh, including Trevor Etienne, who is a Louisiana kid, who's a freshman there. He's had a very good season. Um, their yards per carry is really excellent. Their offensive lines are very good this season. Um, but, you know, LSU, I feel like LSU could deal with that better than the spread, that sort of spread offense at the moment, just because a lot of it has to do with a Burns injury. Because against Mississippi State, they handled that spread offense very well. 
partially because Burns was healthy and partially because Mississippi State, as prolific of a passing team as they are, they're not, they don't create the explosives that Tennessee can. You know, those big 40 yard bombs that Hendon Hooker can throw, like Will Rogers and that offense. It's just not designed to do it, to do that as, as well. Um, and in this Florida offense, it's kind of explosive plays with Anthony Richardson, Richardson's athleticism. He can make some, he can make all the throws. Um, just a matter of him doing it consistently and, and not making terrible mistakes. And Ellis just gets, just got to beat him into doing that. And I think they can, just given how complex at time, not maybe not complex, but how um, how creative Matt House's scheme has been at times this season, and uh, how sort of condensed, more condensed this this offense is uh, compared to Tennessee's. Wrapping up right now with Koki Riley on the game hotline. Koki, if Tigers go to Gainesville and come up with a victory in the swamp, it's because they did what? It, it, it's because their defense really stepped up and uh, were able to force turnovers from Anthony Richardson and uh, did a pretty good job of containing the run game. Um, because offensively, I think they can do enough in this game. Um, it, it's just the, the matchup is really – Florida's run game and and, and and offense in general against LSU's defense. Koki, appreciate the time, man. We'll chat real soon. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Koki Riley joining us right there from USA Today on the game hotline talking everything LSU and the big matchup this week over in Gainesville. Don't forget tonight we have the McNeese Coaches Show. Tune in from 6 to 7. For the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, Line A Bed out of Westlake and Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzola will be talking tonight with head basketball coaches Lynn Kennedy and John Aiken. At the McNeese Coaches Show, we'll be broadcasting from Maplewood Burgers at 4453 Nelson Road. So tune in tonight for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry, we have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietor filling in today for Kevin Foot, who's already over at Marshall, gearing up for the big matchup against the Raging Cajuns tonight. Starting at 6 p.m., we just talked to Koki Riley on the other side of that break, and we broke down LSU Florida, and I kind of want to stay there. You know, this is an interesting matchup as LSU struggling, coming off of that big lopsided loss against Tennessee. Brian Kelly's first year, they have a depleted roster, trying to change the culture, trying to do different things. Guess what? Billy Napier doing the same exact thing at Florida. The Gators are going to come in at home as two-and-a-half-point favorites. That tells me if this game was in Tiger Stadium, LSU would probably be favored in this ball game. They think these teams are quite a bit alike. Uh, look, Anthony Richards, as he mentioned, has not been great this year. He's averaging under 200 yards a game. He's thrown seven interceptions versus just five touchdowns. On the flip side of that is much trouble as we give Jaden Daniels on the LSU side and how 
how bad Tiger fans perceive him to be, and I'm, I'm not here to tell you you're wrong, but what I am here to tell you is one thing he does, he protects the football. This year, Jaden Daniels only one interception coming into this ball game. That's allowed LSU to, to do some different things. He's averaging over just over 200 yards passing. Of course, a lot of that coming on last week's game, 300 yards. That might have been a little deceiving against Tennessee. I don't know if I quite share the same sentiment that Koki does, that that was a bright spot on Saturday. That was, uh, you know, LSU struggled mightily getting the football down the field, getting the ball into the playmaker's hands. Look, Jack Besh, Kayshawn Butte, those guys are – non-factors so far in this offense got to change got to get the goose guys the football in space and allow them to make plays of course LSU's leading receiver so far this year is another 337 guy Malik Neighbors on the other side of the ledger though what's interesting is the Gators they want to play the same style of football they want to run the football they want to control the clock they want to do a lot of the same stuff LSU wishes they can do they're leading back. Montreal Johnson played over for the Raging Cajuns just a year ago. He's averaging uh, about eight yards a, a pop right now and having five touchdowns to go along with it. So this is a, a team that very, very similar to, to your LSU Tigers. and they, they want to get out of the funk that they're in. I mean, they, they had a huge win to start the season against Utah at home. Since then, mixed bag. I mean, there was a game. They were in that ball game against Kentucky that they ended up losing. They played South Florida. That's a game they probably should have lost. They found a way to win. They lost to the same volunteer team that the Tigers did, but a different fashion of a loss. So this is an interesting Florida team coming off of a Missouri win a week ago where – what, Anthony Richardson had less than 100 yards throwing the rock? What are the less miles is going on? Where do they do that? You know, this is, this is an interesting matchup where I, I think these teams are very similar with each other with year one coaches trying to figure out who they are and what they're going to do. And guess what? Going over there and playing in Ben Griffin Stadium is a different animal. It's a tough place to play. One of the toughest in the entire country. But I want to give Tiger fans a little hope. Tiger is daddy in this series. They've won four out of the last five, seven of the last ten, and they've been in ball games where they probably shouldn't have. They won a game, what, two years ago in 2020, the COVID year, that they had no business winning. That was a team that was def- deflated. They were going into that game, going into the motions, and guess what? Max Johnson and company found a way to win. Kayshawn Butte, big game there. There was a shoot thrown in the fog. Next thing you know, kicking a field goal as time expires and winning that ball game. That's a, a different kind of beast. A year ago, how about number six, Florida, coming into Tiger Stadium? An LSU team that didn't have an identity on offense, didn't know who they were, didn't know what they wanted to do. What did they do? They pound the rock. Ty Davis-Price breaks the record for most yards in a single game for an LSU back, and they upset. Florida in Tiger Stadium at 11 a.m. Hit that, LSU fans, at 11 a.m. Breakfast and football. They're able to win that game against Florida, 49-42. So this is interesting, interesting series as well, where the Tigers, despite 
not being the favorites in quite a few of these matchups, have found ways to win football games. Brian Kelly trying to build an identity, trying to build who this LSU team is. What can they do well? They're going to have a chance to do it, chance to turn the season around. I think this week is very similar for both LSU and UL. Both of them hmm, not looking too hot right now, on the mat, looking up, trying to get up. Well, this is a you know this is a week that could kind of get you back on the right track. I think this win right here for LSU is probably the the difference between going six and six, seven and five, or eight and four. You know, you're, you're in that realm. The back half of the schedule might not be as daunting as we once thought, right? We you know going into the season, you saw hey, look, Arkansas powerhouse, hey, they they on the downslope a little bit, right? KJ Jefferson was injured since then. They have not been the same team. You got. A UAB team coming in should be a win for the Tigers. UAB team that likes to put up points, though, I'll tell you that. And then you get to play A&M, too, on the backside of that. And, look, this is an A&M team that could be praying for the season to end by the time we get to, to that matchup. Oh, sprinkle in next week's game against Ole Miss. That, guess I'm here to tell you, that as bad as LSU is, they're going to have a chance in that game at Tiger Stadium. Against an Ole Miss team that likes to run the ball, I think LSU matches up better with that type of running style. As Koki kind of said, there's not many teams that run at you like Tennessee does. They bring out the receivers, pass the numbers, stack them up vertically, make you force guys out of the box, take advantage of numbers. You're not going to see that this week. You're not going to see that next week either against an Ole Miss team. And look, this is a Lane Kiffin team, shocker, that wants to run the football. Hadn't quite figured out the quarterback thing yet. You're going to be in that game too. So this is a game if the Tigers can go on the road and find a way to win. Look, you're not going to win an SEC championship. But wouldn't going 8-4 and four or 7-5 and five this year being a, a building block for the program? Wouldn't that be the step in the right direction, trying to build the program to where you want to be? Because last two years, that ain't it, Cat. That ain't, that's not what you want to see. But building a foundation and moving forward – I'm here to tell you that everything's going to be okay. And I think it, it, it could happen starting this week where you could kind of get things going in the right direction, build some momentum for the back half of the season. I don't think you're going to compete against the likes of Alabama. But I'm here to tell you other games, I think you're going to be in there. I think you're going to be able to compete with those teams. I don't look over the long stretch. Are you going to win them off? Absolutely not. You're just not good enough. You're not deep enough. You're not talented enough. But put in the right situations, as bad as last week was, I think you could still possibly even win eight games. That's the ceiling, though. I think that's the ceiling. I don't think the Tigers have enough oomph to kind of get over the hump and win more than that in year one of Brian Kelly. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game, Clubhouse, at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. 
Stick around. We're going to wrap up our number one of footnotes on the other side right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back into Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietor filling in for Kevin Note, Kevin Foot, uh, Footnotes. We're having a great time with you on this Wednesday hump day edition as we gear up for tonight's big matchup between the Raging Cajuns and the Marshall Thundering Herd. Kevin's already over there in Huntington. He'll join us next hour at 1015 where we're going to bring you some, some action from there. I got a lot I want to talk to Kevin about. I want to talk to him about the big matchup with UL, the Raging Cajuns, trying to turn it around, trying to figure it out. But I also want to talk to him about his experience yesterday with the Astros game. Kevin was flying during the ball game yesterday. I shot Kevin a text. Just I said, hey, man, I'd love to know what you were going through at that moment. He goes, I just realized they won. I, I'm going through the airport right now. I'm going to watch the whole game. I'm telling people not to tell me. <laughs> Could you imagine being whoever was sitting next to Kevin in that in that in that situation, you know, right there on the plane. Probably a nice, nice lady, just on, you know, minding her business. Kevin's knees going 90 to nothing, freaking out, creating every pessimistic thought he can in his mind how the Astros are losing the ball game, which they were. Then to find out that Yardon goes yak and the Strohs pull off the improbable victory. He he and texted me this morning. He goes, I told you to be nice, and you embarrassed us. <laughs> I said, well, I told you to be nice, and you embarrassed me. So I think you're both in the in the, the wrong here, bud. He is uh, – Kevin's a special guy. I was able to take in an Astros game with Kevin and Ray a couple weeks back or last week, and uh, we had a great time. And I was expecting Kevin turned up all the way getting to go to a game live, but the game meant nothing. So his whole thing was, we can't do too much tonight. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. You know, we got to go in. To, we got to keep everything for the postseason. The night before, the Astros won ten nothing against the Phillies. They had a no hitter going into the ninth inning before Will Smith gave up three straight singles to break up the no hitter. First thing he tells me was, "Hey, wasn't that the best thing? <laughs> that the best thing? Your team almost threw a no hitter, and wasn't that the best thing? Are you kidding me?" Oh, yeah. He's a special kind of guy. I, I watched the video back that Ray sent me a foot, and I was like, this man's all cool, calm, collected. He said, it, I mean, it meant nothing. We were already in. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, Whatever yes, you say. Yesterday did matter, and Kevin was uh, not able to watch, especially the back half of that game while he was in the air traveling to Marshall. So we'll talk to him over at 10-15 on the other side of the, uh, of the break after a while. And I, I just can't wait to see – his thoughts and what he thinks about the series going forward. He might think they have too much momentum. I'm of the opinion that I think we broke the back of the uh, of the Mariners. I think that we kind of got those guys a little shook, quite frankly. A young team like that that hadn't been in the postseason since before Hannah was born probably. They, they've never been in this position. They might not know better, though, so that's another point. We'll have to listen to hear what Kevin says about that. So I'm interested to talk about that as well as the Raging Cajuns and what they can do to win the big matchup on the road against Marshall. They actually had somebody put out, they uh, redid the Our Father. It says, Our baseball gods who aren't in Houston, how will it be thy, na- thy game, thy kingdom done, thy wild card won, in Toronto as it was at home? Give us this W, our daily bread, and forgive us our doubts as we forgive those that doubt us against us. 
and let us not into elimination. Hashtag CS Rice. Everyone has said forever and ever. Amen. Oh, boy. What a time. What a time. I, I, look, this is a team that knows they, they don't know better. Everything's lined up at this point for them. So I, I think they're they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. I just think the Astros have too much experience. And beating a team like they did last night is, is going to be hard for them to overcome that. Oh, yeah. We, all we have to know is that Julio has now surpassed Mike Trout in career postseason hits with two. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. We're going to step aside and take a quick break. But on the other side of the hour, we have more Astros talk, more cages, more Tigers. Oh, and we're going to get to the Hoodats as well. So stick right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back into hour number two of two. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for Kevin Foote, who's out on assignment covering the Raging Cajuns as they travel to Marshall for the matchup tonight, which could be seen on ESPN starting at 6 p.m. We've had a lot of fun so far today. We've talked a little LSU football with Cokie Riley. We talked Astros. Mariners with Hannah five names, but we still want to hear from you guys. What do you guys want to talk about? You can always hit us up on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. And, of course, if you want to see our beautiful mugs, head on out to Simulcast here in Acadiana. You can watch us on 32.3 Stadium and 133 LUS Fiber. So, Hannah, let's go ahead and take a look at Astros, Mariners, and the matinee tomorrow. I know it's... Weird time for baseball, but that's what happens in the playoffs. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't able to watch a lot at the beginning yesterday. I was busy at work in between meetings. I'm looking and seeing that, you know, JV's out there just kind of wet in the bed after having a, such a great Cy Young caliber season. And I'm going, oh, great. Playoff JV's back. Astros bats are silent. I could hear just Kevin in my mind just with the, you know, negativity that he spews oh, yeah. sometimes. I, I could just hear it in my mind, and he had. I was kind of saying it to myself, and then uh, once we got the the, the two run double from Yardon that almost got out, it gave me some life. I said, "Oh man, we're gonna be back in it," you know. And then I couldn't walk, I couldn't pay attention for a while. Then I get back on. I'm like, they still got <laughs> Justin in there, and he's still giving up meatballs to J Rod and company. And then I, I kind of got real busy, and then the next thing you know, I'm leaving work, and I'm putting it on the radio, and I, I listened to it on the way home, and I just couldn't wait to get there so I could I could see the ending of the game, and it was glorious. So glorious. You know, I I was I was calm. I was collected. I had my Mariner shirt my mom got me. That's like my name, everything on the back, and I had a, a teal flannel on. I even matched and had some teal shoes. I was like, I'm ready, like. I had a Mountain Dew because the bullpen drinks Mountain Dew for every game. Like, I got this. Like, the juju is here. I'm chill. And I'm just like, all right, we're doing well. We're doing well. Justin Verlander's just wet in the bed. He's not doing great. I was like, yes, keep him in. Keep him in. Keep him in the whole game. And then we go to our bullpen to change for Logan Gilbert. Sets up a couple of runs. And I was Are like, you shocked I went to the bullpen that early? I mean, it- I was. I thought we were going to give Logan maybe another inning, maybe even two outs, maybe. I think they were also just trying to make sure that we, we know we're going to Castillo today, which is, I mean, that's today, tomorrow. But I'm like, it's great we're having him come to the bat, you know, come to the mound. But 
I thought they're gonna give Logan maybe another inning or two left, but I think they're just trying to hold off maybe in case for game three, go back to him. But I think they I, would. I mean, look, if you're playing for your life in game three, maybe you go to him. I think he'd probably be your game four starter at this point. Uh, look, having experience in the postseason matters, especially with the skipper, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, not being in that situation is difficult. You know, he has very little playoff experience on the resume. Um, we go look at our ahead to tomorrow's matchup. Framber Valdez on the bump for the Astros. Look, there were stretches for this season that that was your staff ace. He was the Astros' best pitcher at times. Um, that they, they, it's a luxury. It's, it's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to pitching for the Astros. And they didn't really burn anybody yesterday. I know people were freaking out when they put Christian Javier in, um, and, and he gave up. You know, he served up a bomb, but he got the Astros out of a tough spot too. Uh, he's going to still be, if they need him, be ready for game four. Yeah. They're going to go Framber, then, then Lance McCullers Jr. In, in, in game three. But Framber, I, I feel super confident. I got more confidence in him, especially in the postseason, than I did with, with Verlander. For you, uh, Luis Castillo is going to come into the game. As, as, I mean, is that a matchup you like? I mean, I like it a lot. I mean, Castillo did really, really well for us in game one. I think it was seven innings I think he did for us on the game one against the Blue Jays, and he was dealing like there was no tomorrow, catching the game the whole time, catching you know, that 4-0 win. I just I think it's a really good matchup between him and Fromber a lot. I just I feel really, really confident in him. But I, I'm hoping that they do the same thing they did the last time against the Blue Jays. They go Castillo and they bring out Munoz because anybody else, I, I mean, I want Kirby, maybe Brash, but... I'm not really looking too happy about my relief pitchers right now. And Framber's going to come in, and look, he's, he was the workhorse of the staff this year, the only pitcher to throw over 200 innings for the Astros. 31 starts, he goes 17-6. and six. But he, he could very well finish second or third in the Cy Young voting that's coming up. He had the stretch of, what was it, 21 straight quality starts? Yeah, I think it was I mean, like 21, something like that. That's just ridiculous. Um, sporting an ERA of 2.82, and a batting average of 2.23 against. I can tell you, too, that he is much better at home. That played a lot into the decision of uh, Dusty Baker on how he's going to uh, structure this rotation and going with Lance McCullers in Game 3. Uh, another thing that I was thrilled about, I thought the, the lineup turned over real nicely, was Jeremy Pena in the two-spot. That mm-hmm. was beautiful. That bat he had just to get to Yardon Alvarez going down and hitting that slider for a single straight up the box and the you know that was that's a, a big league type play for for the fresh a uh, freshman for the rookie um for the Astros at, at shortstop he's Astros aren't no stranger for getting big time moments from from shortstops oh yeah not missing Carlos Correa yet no yet. I don't think I don't think you need to I don't think any Astros fans should really be worried about him being gone and having Pena in there instead I mean but I was also, I think I saw somewhere that Correa is actually going to be at the game two tomorrow in the studio with Yeah, he, uh, he's going to be on Ford. TBS, right? I think so. I, I think he's going to work for, for TBS or Fox or one of those where he's going to be in studio. So yeah. um, that'll be interesting. Uh, he's been pretty brash about, you know, hey, look, if the Twins want to re-sign me, they need to re-sign me. He has an opt-out. A lot of people think he's going to opt-out. If I'm the Astros, I'm telling them I'm good. <laughs> you had your chance. We gave you a plenty of good enough offer that you took very, very similar offer to uh, over to you, you know with 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 uh, Minnesota. So um, I, I let them know I'm plenty good on that. 
And just to let you know, I actually was updated by our lovely intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos. It is 25 consecutive quality starts for Fromber. Mr. Campos, appreciate the info for sure. One, one thing I think is interesting, too, that the Astros still have in their back pocket is they, they carry in Luis Garcia and, uh, Luis Garcia and Ucridi in, in the bullpen. Those are guys that could come in and give you some, some quality innings. I thought for sure they would both be on the LCS roster. I was kind of surprised that they kept them both on the ALDS, being it's a short five-game series. But, hey, look, when you have injuries um, to guys like uh, Phil Maton, who's not been good, but Dusty seems to like to put them in you know, particular situations, I, I think – I was I was surprised they went there. I was not surprised that they stud, stuck away from Will Smith. I know Dusty probably lobbied to have Will Smith in the on the postseason roster to allow them to have a left-handed arm to come out of the to, to come out of the pen, for sure. Hannah, do we have Raymond that wants to come in and talk with us? Yes, sir. We got a Ray. Ray, okay, Ray, not RP three, Ray. <laughs> Ray, how goes it on this wonderful Wednesday? All right. Ray, you there? I'm there. How's it going, man? Man, it's going well. It's going better right now. I mean, uh, I know and, uh, Kevin must have caught almost caught a heart attack wherever <laughs> he was yesterday. I mean, I know it wasn't good for him. Could you imagine him not being able to watch the game, being on that airplane with no internet access, and, and just being alone with his thoughts was, was probably not healthy for Kevin. Right. Well, and, and getting to Houston, man, I mean, that's just me. I thought Dusty, I mean, you know, hey, it worked out in the end. I thought Dusty should have went with someone else. I didn't thought that he should have went with Verlin. I mean, I know he's he give you the best chance to win. But yesterday he didn't have it. He didn't have it. he didn't have his good stuff yesterday at all. I'm shocked he stuck with him so long, especially with the number yes. of pitchers that you carried on the roster. You could have easily packed them up. Hey, look, buddy, you are Cy Young guy. Didn't have it today. Let's let's keep you for later in this series. I'm surprised you didn't go to the bullpen a little quicker. Right. So, so you know the game going on. I'm driving. I'm working. So one of my partners called me. Say, well, Ray, man, is like. Almost the seven in, and he say, I, "I think it's over." I say, "No, man, it's not over yet." Then you got Bregman hit the two run homer. He say, "Yeah, he called me again around the night." He says, "Over." I say, "Man, it's still not over, man. We got we coming to the night in, and they just got went. Uh, they just got uh, the Mariners uh, one, two, three inning. So now they get to the bottom of the night. Then you get a hit. I say, "Well, here it comes." So my partner like. He said, man, he walked away. He said, man, I stopped watching TV. Then when I called him, I said, man, you some one. It's over. Man, go ahead. <laughs> I said, you missed you miss the greatest up, uh, end of the game, man, with Yard on Alvarez hitting the uh, home run, walk off on home run. It was beautiful. They served him up. I mean, that ball was middle in, couldn't have been placed more perfectly, and Yardon made short work of it. He, he absolutely demolished that ball, hitting it over 430 feet into the upper deck. Yeah, it was a uh, man. You know they 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 fought and they clawed, man. But it's just that uh, I don't know, man. I, I felt that he should have went with another pitcher beside Justin Verlander. I mean, I just say, you know, when when he, I said I don't think that was a good move. And I mean, I ain't no baseball uh, 
analysts. But sure enough, man, and what I told my partner, I said, I told you that, man, they shouldn't have went with Justin. What, and, but the beautiful thing about it, though, Ray, they got away with it. So you already got the win. You 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 didn't yeah. like the decision, but they got the win. So now you could go to yeah. other guys down the stretch. Look, you're gonna have Framber Valdez tomorrow. You're gonna have Lance McCullers Jr. on Saturday, and then if you're still playing after that, you can you can come in back with Christian Javier, and then you could go back to JV if you need. You could go back to Justin Verlander, and then uh, hopefully you don't have another bad game like he had yesterday. He's been too good this season to have double back to back bad outings. I think. Yeah, I think you know, man. Uh... From the way it's going with the sports, man, with uh, LSU struggling, UL struggling, uh, the Saint is a clown show right now. I mean, we don't know what's going on with them. Uh, just for them coming back and win that game yesterday, man, it put a little put a little uh, pep in my step, man. Y'all have a good one, man. You too. Appreciate the call, Ray. Ray, don't give up on those those three teams you talked about quite yet. No, I'm, t- I'm telling you, don't give up on them. Will they play for championships this year? Probably not. LSU, no. Cajuns, no. Saints, ah, I, I'm not a believer there. But they still have a lot to play for. I think these are teams that could still turn it around and get some wins down the stretch. So I, I think there's still stuff to play for there. Um, so, so stick through. We've got cold weather coming up. A lot of fun still to be had this football season. Let's head back out to the game hotline and bring on Martin. Martin, how are you on this wonderful Wednesday morning? Oh, I'm doing fabulous, buddy. My question to you is, how is uh, Mrs. Five Names treating you after her Mariners uh, choked up a, a victory well, look, last night? Hard my Cowboys choking the playoffs. <laughs> when I walked in, Martin, I, I said to myself, I said, "Look, I'm not going to be too hard on her. I'm going to, you know, I, I figure RP3 probably wrote her hard in, in the in the morning show. So when I came in, she had this big smile on her face, and she, you know, she knew what was coming." So I, I let her have a little fun in the first segment. You know, we got to listen to the yard on call, and uh, she's still smiling over there. She she said that it's Lanyap. You know, they already got a series win. They're building on something over there, so she's satisfied where they're at right now. Oh, okay. Well, uh, could you imagine foot on that airplane? Not only does he not like airplane rides, I mean, could you imagine the man's uh, blood pressure on that, on, and, and then that happens? I mean, Lord, I'm mer- and, and she forgot the most important part about yesterday. I was listening to the radio, and I warned her. I said, it's just the fourth inning. I said, the Mariners could still cough it up. And what do they do? They coughed it up. Man, but but at least she's got a positive attitude. I got to give it to her on that one. She she's does. not a Cowboys fan. And, uh, I mean, if if anybody knows about choking and pressure situation, it is. It's me being a Cowboys fan. Well, how, like, how do you feel about your Cowboys right now, though, Martin? I mean, you got to feel pretty good. I mean, the, the the hand they were dealt and the way they're playing, I, you got to feel. Well, well, Mr. Blaine, uh, I'm going to put it like this. I'm a lifelong Cowboys fan, and I've been calling in the radio show and telling, saying this pretty much uh, uh, the the whole season. I said I've seen this, 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 this act before. We get off to a hot start. We get to the playoffs, and we don't do nothing. So I mean, until the playoffs come around, I mean we got Philadelphia this this, uh, this Sunday. That's a huge game. Yeah, and uh, by the way, I just want to uh, just kind of throw it in the throw it in there. We beat both Super Bowl teams that were in the Super Bowl last year. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, I, I I mean I still don't know what to expect out of them. I mean. Uh, 
because we all know that uh, Jerry Jones is going to want to put Dak Prescott in, even though I believe you should stick with the hot hand. And the hot hand at this current moment in time is Cooper Rush. You know, is he a Lee Quap? No. I mean, but he, he does. He doesn't throw interceptions. He doesn't cough the ball away. He's doing what needs to get done. And basically, it's our defense that's winning us football games right now. Uh, but, uh, we shall see. I mean, as the world turns, you know, let's see what we're going to do in the playoffs if we if we still do make the playoffs. I mean, it's still early in the season, buddy. I appreciate it, I, Martin. I, I hope you have a great hump day. Yes, sir. You too. Thank you for taking my call. Martin, man, no wonder him and Kevin get along, man. They're, they're both so negative about their team. Cooper Rush has been <laughs> so good playing to their strengths. They want to run the football. They want to play defense. That defense is elite. That defense is good. Hey, Stick in, Martin. I think the NFL is wide open this year. I think we've seen some interesting things so far in this young season. So don't, don't be too negative or too harsh on your Cowboys. And I'm by far not a Cowboys fan. Oh, yeah. He's a Cowboys fan and is a, a Red Sox fan, oh, too. Oh, man. It's not it's not oh, a good, yeah. uh, good time for him. I, a lot of, I got a lot of close friends that are Red Sox fans. And they were all posting on Facebook last night. Is there – why people are talking about baseball? It's football season. <laughs> <laughs> I, Love I, to see it. Love I think to see the, it. I think the main reason why I'm not as upset is that I think when it comes down to it, if we lose this series to the Astros, our team won't be that upset. We'll be, you know, we'll be sad that yeah, we didn't make it past the Astros. We weren't supposed to be here. But we didn't expect to really get here. We we didn't know what we were going to expect. We our our main goal, which I hope the actual Mariners themselves had the main goal, is getting to the playoffs to end the drought because we've had a pretty good team. And you got a young for core. most of the season. You got yeah. a really young core too. We have we have a lot more to come and a lot more years to come of getting better and everything else. But like this right here, we won't be as upset as the Ashes would be if they lose to oh, us. Yeah, yeah I that's agree. the difference. I'll it's take a different. day maybe of being sad. I'll be fine the next day. Y'all are going to be upset for oh, a while. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think Matt's lying. I said, I'm going to be upset for a day. That's a lie. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll be upset for a minute. I promise you. Yeah, see? <laughs> I promise. <laughs> what you won't be upset for is you stick around past this next break. We're going to take it real quick. But when we come back, our guy, Kevin Foote, coming live from Marshall, is going to talk to us about the game tonight against the Marshall Thundering Herd and about the Astros Mariners. So stick around after the break right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for the Acadiana treasure that is Kevin Foote. Having a great time with you on this lovely hump day edition where we're still celebrating Astros victories and getting you ready for the Raging Cajuns matchup against Marshall tonight. And to do that, we're going to head on over to the game hotline and bring on the man himself, Kevin Foote. How are you? Well, I'm having a – I figured it was time for the uh, Josh Fields Appreciation Day for the eighth time this season, and uh, it, it feels like the best one ever, I think. 
Josh Fields for Justin Verlander has to be the most lopsided trade in all of history. <laughs> you know, people talked about Larry Anderson and Jeff Bagwell forever, but at least Larry Anderson was a good pitcher. Well, Josh Fields also helped the Astros coming in and pitching like a donkey in the World Series. I'm sure you remember. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, no, he's already won World, one World Series for the Astros. I'm hoping he wins two or three for us. Kevin, before we start talking about the Cajuns tonight, I want to stick with the Astros here for a second. And tell me about your travel yesterday. How did it go not being able to watch the game uh, for the poor soul that sat next to you on that airplane with you not being able to watch the game? And then when you finally found out? Well, you know, I'm sitting in the airport for the first five innings, and it's pretty depressing. And uh, Peter LeBlanc's family was on the same flight towards Orneville that I was. So he said, how you doing? I said, not good. We're down 6-3 to three right now. And so I get on the plane, right? Well, actually, I was on the plane when the last out of the bottom of the fifth ended. So And so for two hours, I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, okay, what could be going on right now? And I'm thinking, you know, the the, the, the we could it could be 14 to 2 so if they're going to win i hope they score like 17 runs or something you know and get 28 hits and then but i'm thinking well their bullpen is really not that good and hadn't been pitching lately so i think if they pull verlander which i you know they had just done i'm thinking well the astros bullpen should keep it close and maybe their bullpen will falter so the second we we the plane touchdown in Arneville, I hit my um, I hit my um, my phone. I turned it on, and literally seconds after, he hits the home run. Unbelievable! I, I, I was I just didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> so okay, I, you, you have a lot of crazy line of thinking, some some, some crazy superstitions. In, in your mind, did the Astros, you know, winning like that take away some some juju from them, or is that just wipe all the momentum from a young team like the Mariners and, and kind of just put them their back against the wall in a situation they probably can't handle? Well, I, I hope it did, and I heard a lot of people say, well, the, the Mariners have done it, and I hope that's correct. But remember, when Albert Pujols hit that monstrous home run in game five of the um, NLCS in 2005, a lot of people said the same thing about the Astros, and the next day Royal Royal went out, and the, and the Cardinals didn't even compete in that game. The Astros dominated the whole game. And they're going to be pitching Castilla, their ace pitcher. So I hope that's what happens here. But, you know, I, I think yesterday showed what I've been saying since before the first game was played. The Mariners are good. The Mariners can hit. And the Mariners are not scared of the Astros, even though the Astros have dominated them throughout the, the, the franchise's existence. But um, the one thing that they don't have, they pitched better last year, even though they didn't make the playoffs, than they did this year. Their hitting is better this year, but their pitching is better last year, and I'm hoping that pays off for the Astros. You know, did you think Dusty stuck with, with JV just maybe a little too long yesterday? You would have liked to see him get, get off of Justin a little quicker? Uh, I was wondering that. The only thing, you, 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 when, when a guy, especially a great pitcher, gets lit early, you need some innings. You don't want to go to your bullpen too soon, even though it's obviously greatly rested right now with this five-day break. I, I, I Maybe a little bit sooner, but I, I wasn't really upset with that. All right, well, let's turn our attention now to the Raging Cajuns traveling over to face Marshall tonight in a, a big game for, I think, both teams. Both teams are having – Similar seasons, but I say similar. Marshall had the huge win earlier in the year when they faced Notre Dame, but since then they've been pretty, 
average at best. Uh, you know, losing to a, a bad Bowling Green team and really not getting their footing until uh, beating a, a FCS school last week. Is this a game that the Cajuns doesn't? They it doesn't feel like they should be ten point dogs. Well, I, I think it's a fairly even game matchup. I kind of agree with you. I, I don't think Marshall's as good as South Alabama. At least to date, they have not been better than South Alabama, and so you get some encouragement by that. I, I think these two teams are fairly similar in that um, you know both of them are above average defensively. Both defenses kind of carry the team. They both have had good spots and bad spots from the passing game, kind of struggling to get the passing game going. Both The difference is, I believe, uh, you know, Marshall's running game has been more consistent this year. They lead the, the conference in rushing, and the, the Cajuns ha- are coming off a good rushing game, but that's been uh, spotty at times this season. You know, special teams, the Cajuns on paper should be significantly better, but so far this year, I think the special teams has really hurt the Cajuns. You know, if the special teams play has been good, I mean, their normal good, the Cajuns right now would be four and one and two and zero oh in the conference. Just that simple. I mean, yeah, do they have trouble? Have they have issues in passing game? Yeah. Have they had issues in the running game and on the offensive line? Yeah. But you can get through all that if your special teams do what they normally do, and they should be four and one and two and zero oh right now if they just don't hike the ball over the punter's head and make sharp field goals. And look, losing the, the Chandler Fields to injury, but really forcing your hand to play one quarterback, I think is a much better situation. And I, you hate to see Chandler get hurt, but this flip-flop and musical chair of quarterbacks and not having a consistent guy back there is never good for anybody. You think this is an opportunity maybe for the offense to maybe get in sync? You hope so. I, again, I'm, I, I'm not like most of you. I, I don't like playing more than one quarterback unless – it's like um, you know, like the Saints do, where you where your second quarterback kind of isn't really a quarterback. He's just he's more, you know, he's very different. You're adding something to the offense, and w- w- whether Ben's in or Chandler's in, you're not really adding anything unique to the offense. So it's just kind of both guys are about the same. I-, I-, I hope it works out that way. You know, his last series against was very good. I mean, that was a I don't forget the numbers, like 15, 16 plays, 80-something yards, took six minutes off the clock. You can't ask for a better drive than they had on that one now. Will we be able to duplicate that on the road against a really good Marshall defense? Well, you know, we'll see. I, I, I don't know that – I don't know all the one – the people who are really upset about the quarterback. I don't know if this is the game where they're going to get a lot of fulfillment because I expect this to be a tough, physical, low-scoring game. Low-scoring game, as you mentioned, Marshall led by their defense. Lance Gidry, defensive coordinator there, you know, he, he really earned his chops down here in South Louisiana, playing at Magnese, coaching at Magnese, also head coach over at Karen Crow. What, what's some different things that Lance Gidry does on defense that just stands out to you? Well, they just, I mean, their defensive line, look, was from, from the bowl game last year was really good, and they just put a lot of pressure on you and, you know, I don't – so far this year, I, the, the Cajuns' offensive line has not really shown they can handle that kind of stuff, and they hadn't handled it. Now, last week, again, South Alabama going into last week was – them and Marshall were 1-2 and two in rushing defense in the conference, and the Cajuns did a much better job of running it last week. So, hopefully they found some rhythm 
in their offensive line and with the running backs. The problem is I don't really think Chris Smith's going to play tonight. So you're going to be having to, you know, uh, Kabodi has shown some good uh, signs, but he's been kind of nicked up here and there. Supposedly he's going to play. I like Draylon Washington. I like Terrence Williams. They just haven't had a lot of carries, and they don't have a lot of experience. So they're really going to have to come through tonight against a very aggressive, very talented defense. And Marshall's a tough place to play, too, as well. Uh, one of the interesting things I find, though, is they're coming off of a bye week, but it's almost like a trap game from them, coming off that bye. But if you look ahead, they're playing James Madison undefeated next week, and then the following week they're playing Coastal Carolina. So, you know, there's still opportunity. Maybe they're peeking ahead just a tad bit, but I find that hard to believe with such a well-coached team. Their schedule is brutal. Like, and, and they still got to go to – they still play app after that. Now, you know, how good is app? We don't know. I mean, how good is – Marshall, you know, that day when they both knocked off top 10 teams was great for the Sunbelt Conference. But, you know, this idea that so many people have, well, if you're a mid-major and you knock off a Power 5 team, then your conference games are going to be easy. That 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 has never been the case, and we've seen that so far. I mean, Texas State just beat App last week. And so uh, you just never know how that's going to work out. Now, the thing that I, I kind of I think about tonight it's a unique game, and it is a midweek game, but this is the first home Sunbelt game that they've ever played. So I, I think there's some uniqueness to it that's going to work in Marshall's favor. We'll see how that works out. Wrapping up right now with Kevin Foote over on the game hotline. Turn to the Astros just one last time. Tomorrow, another afternoon baseball game. I'm assuming you're going to be traveling back. Are you going to be able to watch the game at all? No, I, I Look, I, I'm not – I've never been – if it wasn't for sports, I could barely add. You know, the only reason I know that, you know, two plus two equals four is if you make your first two baskets, you have four points I, as a kid. So I'm not good at math. So this whole time zone thing messes with my mind because I'm in an eastern time zone right now. I think I'm going to be able to watch, like, the first hour of it uh, while I'm waiting in the Charleston airport for the – and then and then the rest of the game I'm going to be in the air and – uh it's going to be struggling. I'm going to be struggling. Look, it's bad for you and your health is good for Astros. When you were in the air last <laughs> week or yesterday, that's kind of when they started to turn it around. So, look, yeah. safe travels. I hope you have a great time in Marshall. Uh, enjoy calling the game, uh, covering the game tonight, and uh, we'll chat when you get back, bud. All right. Thanks for filling in. Our guy, Kevin Foote, the Acadiana legend. My guy is just a, he's a area treasure we, we love Kevin Foote and the different energy and all his uh you know different nuances that he brings is is, is so unique I've grew up on Kevin Foote so I I, I just love it I, I love don't score too many runs no hitters are bad learned it all from Kevin Foote appreciate him joining us and breaking down that UL Marshall game as well as talking to us about the Astros we're going to take a quick break when we come back on the other side Hannah and I are going to talk a little bit about the Saints Bengals matchup as we gear into Joe Burrow returning home to the Louisiana Superdome on Sunday so stick right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros you can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. 
back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into footnotes. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for Kevin Foote and having a great time with all of you guys on this lovely Wednesday morning. We're still all jacked up about the Astros win. Looking forward to Cajuns and Tigers this weekend and tonight, but also for the New Orleans Saints. They're going to be welcoming in Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Cincinnati Bengals at 12 o'clock noon into the Superdome for a game that's pretty odd. This is a Cincinnati Bengals team that played for a Super Bowl last year. This is a New Orleans Saints team that everybody thought would be in a much better position this year, quite frankly. And here we are. Both teams come in at 2-3 and three and uh, have a lot of question marks about who they are and what's their identity. Uh, the Astros are trying to figure out what they are with, with Jameis Winston or without Jameis Winston. And uh, we think we learned a lot last week. But, I, look, as, as exciting as – the Taysom Hill show was last week in a big win that they had to have against the Seahawks. I don't believe that's very sustainable. That's not going to work week in and week out. I, I think this is uh, they're going to have to figure some things out about different ways to get the football to different playmakers and get guys involved. I like what they did with Alvin Kamara, getting him more involved in the passing game, especially in the screen game. But – they're going to have to do it a number of different ways. Injuries have not been kind at all to – have not been kind at all to the, to, to the Saints. I mean, we had the Jameis situation. Michael Thomas has been banged up. Kamara has been banged up at times. And now you have, um, you know, multiple th- defenders banged up as well. And they're going to have to figure it out pretty quick um, with a Bengals team that's still ultra-talented figuring out a way to keep Joe Burrow upright so he could have some success in the pass game. But this is going to be an odd matchup that a lot of people would expect to be much different when the schedule came out. Let's head over to the game hotline and bring on Manny. Manny, how are you? Good morning. How are you, sir? Fantastic. Listen, I I want to – several things I want to chime in on. I know you're talking about the Saints. So, you know, it's pretty – evident that I, I just think that the that the quarterback styles are, 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 are you know very, obviously very different uh, Andy Dalton is not overly interested in throwing the ball down the field I think that has helped you know our offense quite a bit I mean Kamara's a, a, a mariner uh, excuse uh, I'm sorry I'm sorry that's a, that's a Freudian slip Kamara's a, a, a Seahawk killer. I mean, you know, you have to almost have to anticipate that. You know, he said, I will be on the field. There's a reason why he wanted to be on the field. I mean, he's, he's his career days he has against the Seahawks. So, you know, that, that was a big thing. I just think that, uh, you know, uh, the team right now, the injuries and stuff, you, you almost have to have Andy Dalton uh, playing quarterback. I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think that he's the answer, but uh, – you know, I think it has helped the offense tremendously just doing the things, you know, the, the coordinator knowing the things that he can do and them honing in on that. I, I agree uh, with that. I think it also, you know, when you don't have a, a healthy quarterback and Jameis Winston is not healthy, 
out there with, you know, a, a, a fractured back. You can't have somebody like that trying to lead the charge on offense. I think uh, Dalton gives them a, a different dynamic and, and plays to their strengths a little differently. Is he the answer, like you yeah, said? No, probably no. not, but he probably fits his team a little better healthy. Right. I, I just wanted to throw this in real quick before I go. I, that's my LSU, LSU stuff, but I'll call back tomorrow. Come on, tell Hannah, you know, when – and you know this – when a guy misses, when you bring a lefty-lefty in and you throw first-pitch fastball and he jumps all over it and misses it, I don't know who's calling pitches or shaking off that you don't throw second-pitch down. You don't groove second-pitch fastball. I mean, you got to throw a breaking he got ball. Away, I mean, he got Man, away with the first pitch. In that situation, I just couldn't. When he missed the first one, I was like, ooh. Man, just missing them. So they they just going to feed him a steady diet. Sliders in the dirt, and he comes right back, and you know, just amazing. But anyway, okay, enjoying the show. Thank you all. I appreciate the call, man. I, I totally agree. Look, Robbie Ray coming in in an unfamiliar situation. A guy's not coming out of the bullpen, especially with that type of high leverage situation on the line. Hardly ever. Maybe never. Coming in there, having to face a hitter like Yardon. I, I think the first one, he thought he could sneak by. Got away with it. The second one, he just missed a spot. I don't know if he was trying to go further inside, but you you got to go away with the slider. If, if Jordan struggled this year, he struggled with sliders away, and he struggled with a little bit of balls up. So if you're going to want to go down and in on him, he's going to make you pay. And he did. Missed his spot, left that thing hanging middle in, and the ball was crushed. Let's head on out again to the game hotline and bring on my guy, Nick Fontenot. Nick, how are you today, man? Good hearing from you. Blaine, I'm, I'm good, Blaine, man. That, that pitch, that, that was one of the worst pitches I've ever seen. I was right down there like they were grooving it. It's like they were grooving it in BP. I, I don't know what he was thinking. I, I think the first one he was trying to sneak one by. He's just trying to get one by. That second one? I, I, man, I don't know what – how can you call that pitch? He shouldn't even yeah, been yeah, in the was, game. I, I think they wanted that pitch a lot further in. Oh, yeah. It was very suspect. It was like – some of those videos you see when Albert Pujols was about to hit 700, you see those guys just going down the middle on purpose. It kind of seemed like that. And I'm like, it can't be that. It's the playoffs. You sound like a, anyway. a, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Tad Quibido, texted me last night, you know, and we're going back and forth. And he insinuated, like, oh, I mean, you, you guys got the meatball straight down the middle, you know. Like, hey, I, hey man, they had to get themselves in that position. So uh, I agree with you. It was a suspect pitch that he left over the plate. I think there's a couple things that attribute to that. And one, that's just putting a pitcher in that, Probably shouldn't be in that type of leverage situation. Look, I, I, I wanted to, I have a question for you about a comment you made last hour about LSU. You said you were talking about winning this game and all that, and and, and building on the season. And you said seven and five or eight and four would be a, you know a good building block for the season. I think those are two drastically different records. And I think if they end with seven and five, I don't think you you have a good taste in your mouth. Now, eight and four, I think, is just completely different. And it's only one game. But if they can get to eight and four, that's where I think you do have a good feeling about where you're going. Seven and five, you just kind of, oh, man. Like, LSU is not used to seven and five seasons. So, yeah, it's a winning season. And I, I know I know what, what you're getting at, where they're, they're coming off of what, what O kind of left us kind of in shambles. So seven and five would be okay, but man, I just think the difference between seven and five and eight and four is pretty big, and I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on that. But I thanks, think there's Mike. a caveat to that, though, Nick. I, I think it's how you get to seven and five or eight and four. 
look, you beat A&M the last game of the season to get to 7-5 and five and ride some momentum in? Okay, I'm looking at you a little different. You play Alabama a little tight at home. I'm not look. I don't think LSU's in the same stratosphere talent wise as Alabama. But you you play them a little close. You're competitive. You don't play like the the bleep show that you saw on Saturday morning in Tiger Stadium, and you still go seven and five. I feel a little different about it. Now, if you squirt through with wins, you know against UAB and you know barely against you know you Florida and then Arkansas or something like that and you barely win those games and then you go to a bowl game and you don't have a good showing there I agree seven and five is different but seven and five with competitive outings each and every week beating A&M maybe beating an Ole Miss or something like that that's a different feel to it I think that it's how you get there is more important than the number for me yeah. I think wins and losses are just kind of, uh, you know, especially in a season like this. And a lot of it's going to depend on the bowl game, right? And getting that extra that extra practice time. Now, look, going eight and four, looking really good in a couple of those games, going to a bowl game and getting the ninth win? Sheesh. That's Lanyop. That's 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 the, the, the cream on top, Nick. That's that, that's a special situation, right? That's where you can really build going into next year, getting the momentum. But I don't. I, I'm not with you on that. I don't think seven and five or eight and four are the same. But I think it's more the vehicle that got you there that's important. And, and I think that's for all our teams this year. Like, <clears throat> not as much McNeese. McNeese just had so much fallout right now. With so many teams, you know, people getting released and arrested and. They had within They're the first three weeks. They had too, yeah. two cornerbacks. Their, their two starting quarterbacks came out for the season in the first three weeks of the of play. So I think for the Saints and for LSU and for Caden, I think it's just the way in which you get there to a winning season. I don't think I'm seeing big things happening from LSU and Cajuns and even the Saints this season. But I think a winning season with the new coaches and new quarterbacks and everything that is new for all of these teams is going to be. Good for them. And another thing, how young guys perform. Mm-hmm. How the young guys come in and handle the type of situations. That that's big for me too, as well. I I, I see where you're coming from, but I'm not I'm not there. That, that's not where I'm at, Nick. I I I'm more. It, it's how you look, how you perform, and how how you do in certain situations. And look, I, I they play really well with a fifth year senior doing all the work. Is that really important? You know, if you're really building for the future, right. I I think that's more where I'm at, me personally. Right, and I, like I think, like people are all bringing it up now. They're like, "Oh, Jay's had all this fall down, da 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 da." Jay's are doing that great, but honestly, in my head, I, I, I'm waiting to see. They're not going to go with Nussmeyer. If they go with Nussmeyer, it's be like a last minute they're when they're already Walker in, too, you, you know, know in mop up right. time at the end. But they're not. No one's. Gonna, you're not going to see Walker Howard. People can keep bringing up the legend. You know, he's great and everything else. It's they're his, not going to see future, him until so, yeah. Doing it this year. Yeah, he, he's he's growing as. You know, Brian Kelly said it over and over again. He's seen a lot from Walker, and he's doing all this. Like, you put all this effort into Walker, but I don't see him coming out this year. I think he stays his full red shirt, and he goes and starts, you know, come spring. Well, no, okay, that's the quarterback. I think you're right. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to put a nice bow on the show and get you ready for the matchup tonight against the Cajuns and the Marshall Thundering Herd right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome in for the last time today. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for Kevin Foote here on Footnotes, and we've been having such a good time. want to remind you guys about the Sweet Dope Pie Festival 
is coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks vie for vie to be crowned best in the sweet dough pie contest where the public is the judge. And of course, a large variety of pies are available for purchase. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October 29th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 337-331-6352 or visit the Town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. We've been having a great time today talking about a host of things, mainly Astros, Cajuns, and Tigers, where we saw the Strohs come up with the big come-from-behind victory over Hannah Five's name's Mariners yesterday in dramatic fashion with a yard on bomb. Been celebrating that a little too much. Want to focus in right here as we try to close out the show on the Cages matchup against Marshall tonight. Again, that game's going to be at 6.30 on ESPN2 where Marshall's favored by 10.5 points over under is 46.5. Hannah, I think this is a game that's going to be much closer than a lot of people think. It's going to be lower scoring. Yes. It's going to be... I think that Marshall's first game in the Sun Belt would be a huge thing, but it's a Wednesday night. I think right. that favors the Cajuns. I think it does. I think that uh, Matt says no. Um, I think it does favor them a little bit because, yes, they are on the road. They are in this three-game losing skid that no one wants to be in. We all want to be happy. But I don't think that even Marshall even has the kind of fandom to really get themselves up, pumped up to have the crowd to kind of, put off the Cajuns for the game. I, I so kind of see it night. like that. Yeah. I, I'm going to go. Got school. <laughs> I'm going to still think Marshall's going to win. I, I don't think they cover the spread. I'm taking the under pretty heavy in this one. I'm going to go Marshall tonight. Give me 24 to 18 thundering herd. I, I, I'm the homie. I'm the, I'm the one that really does go for the Cajuns. I think every single pick. And so I, I want them to. Because mainly next weekend we play against Arkansas State, which is my grandmother's alma mater, so I want to beat her team. So I want that momentum of we just won. So I'm going to go Cajun. I'm going to go 2017. Okay. Hey, still get to see the Cajuns. They got an opportunity to really turn mm-hmm. it around tonight. I think they still have a lot to play for this season. While, hey, Sun Belt Championships might not be in line of sight quite yet, but it's still a building block season yeah. that they could have for the future. I had a great time filling in today for the legend, Kevin Foote, here on Footnotes. I appreciate all the calls. I appreciate Cokie Riley for joining us and talking Tigers. I appreciate Kevin joining us from Huntington and talking Strohs and Cajuns. And more importantly, I appreciate all of you for sitting there and listening. Don't go anywhere. Still more to come right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.